Welcome to episode 6. I'm your host, Natalie, and this is Deep Dive Conversations. So this is true crime time, part 2, and I have my lovely fiancé as my guest, Christopher Hertel. Hello, hello everybody. How is everybody doing? Good to be on the show. Good to have you. Yes, yes. Finally... Finally got together, got some alone time after the baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, guys, it. just had a baby. It's been awesome. Um, hence the lack of posting, but I definitely want to get on that this year since, you know, I realize babies do sleep a lot and my mom's been here, so it's been nice. She's been helping us out. So I'm like, you know what, let's, let's continue this. And also, I got a gold mic. That doesn't work yet. Yeah, I got, wanted to do it this episode, but uh, we got to figure out how to get that going. Some, <laughs> be some technical difficulties. Yes. Um, but yeah, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. So, what story do you have for us? Okay. Today? Well, first of all, before we uh, we get going, I just wanted to you know because like I'm so I'm kind of nervous. You know, I don't know why I'm nervous, but I'm still kind of nervous. So I figured to kind of like. Uh, uh, ease in, I would uh, start with some, uh, some like, uh, would you rather questions. They're okay. funny. So, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. Just, you know, to get the, the ball brain rolling. working. Yeah, the ball rolling. So, um, I'm going to ask, you'll say your answer, and then uh, I'll... And then you say your answer. Yeah, I'll say my answer. So, the first one is, would you rather have a time machine or a teleporter? Teleporter. Why? Because then I can just go anywhere I want at any time. Just teleport. Yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah. That's a dream. Just, yeah. Like, imagine that. You're just like, oh, I gotta oh, I gotta go somewhere. Oh, traffic is gonna be crazy downtown. You're like, ah, no, it's fine. Like, we'll make it. We'll leave, like, in five minutes. Yeah, why yeah. would you want to time travel? Why would you want to go back? I mean, like, if you go... Because you know how, like, every show and TV show is, like, you yeah, go back like, in time? Yeah, and but, then like, you ruin, think like, about everything? it. Like, you could go... Like, let's say, just for example, Miami. You know, you can go to Miami Beach now, but Miami... Was it the 80s or, like, the 70s where Miami was just, like, off the chain? Like, Miami Vice? Like, all, like... You know, you know what I'm talking mm, about? To, like, experience certain yeah, things? Yeah, right? Because it's just, like, a vibe there. You know, that at that time yeah. and that location. I still say I'm, tele- I'm, I'm, teleportation. I'm, yeah, I'm with the teleporter, but I could... You know, I'm just seeing why you would, uh, why would, but yeah, definitely like teleporter. Like, I like uh, leaving as late as possible before things. So right, you know, you don't have to worry about traffic. Just teleport. We're probably the worst couple because of that. Yeah, we're always like, late to se- everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, what time's your party at seven thirty? All right, leaves at seven thirty. Okay, yeah. Uh, start getting ready. Okay, yeah, it's seven twenty-five. Oh, cool, cool. I still got a shower. Honestly, you were probably better at it at the from the beginning you still kind of are you remind me to get ready now because you know i take like hours to get ready but but yeah the problem is we usually like to have like a we'll have a quick nap and quick (laughs) in quotations we'll have a quick nap then we'll get ready it'll be fine (laughs) nap in quotations (laughs) (laughs) quick no quick in quotations yeah okay (laughs) all right all right um would you rather be insanely smart or be insanely good at everything Mm, insanely good at everything because my whole life I was insanely bad at everything. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm not that bad at everything, but 
I would say insanely good at everything because then I feel like getting any job you want would be easy because you'd be extremely good at it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I would like to... I want to say smart, but like we're, we're definitely the same person because I'd rather be as someone who has been decently good at everything their whole life. Like I was never the top star in all the athletic teams. I was always just like the middle, like decent, like... I'm not the best, but I'm not the worst. But in times of like you know clutchness, I'll, you know I can come through. So I'll yeah, rather like just be like insanely good at everything. Uh huh. Cause like you know all those guys are just like oh you know just they throw like a full court basketball and it just goes like perfect swish. You're like what? How how's this guy like so? You know are they just like anything they try? They're just the best. You're at? the guy I'll, that just tosses the ball. Yeah, I'd be the like, guy, and I, half the time I would probably toss it too high. I'd be like, oh, my bad, let's run it back. And the other guy's like, come on, man, I can, <laughs> I can do this. And you're like, just give me a chance, I won't mess up this time. Um, but yeah, so insanely, insanely good. Um, would you rather only be able to whisper or only be able to shout? <laughs> <laughs> this is awful. Yeah, this I don't is, know because. <laughs> Because it's, it's either like, hey, how's it going? And the person's like, what? And you're like, gotta get something. And you're like, what? Or it's like, hey, man! And you're like, bro, chill, you know? Yeah, you're just always aggressive. You're always seen as aggressive <laughs> because you're always shouting. Because I always feel like you are always shouting. Yeah, I do so talk like... loud. So I'll probably go with shouting since I already already shout. <laughs> you already already shout? Yeah. Like, I already show like i talk really loud. i notice myself doing it i try to not do it but let me tell you something i forget and then next thing i know everyone's like yeah it's like your volume control in your head is off the trinkets definitely has nothing to do with always having like (laughs) massive subwoofers in my trunk and blasting music all the time definitely not yeah or Or blasting music in your earphones yeah not wearing earmuffs at work while using a loud machine loud uh hydraulic presses and air guns and stuff. Do you have a hydraulic press at work? Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, we do have an a press, a hydraulic press. Have press you ever seen those bearing. satisfying video? Satisfying. Satisfying videos. <laughs> yeah, when they like hydraulic press things. Yeah, and like the tennis ball, and it's just like yeah. That's so satisfying. I don't know why. It's pretty cool. It's like okay. ASMR for your eyes. <laughs> yeah, it is too. It is. It is. So what did you pick though? Are you gonna whisper? Or are you gonna shout? <laughs> change the subject pretty quick i guess whisper <laughs> sounds like you're whispering already <laughs> okay next all right this is the last one okay this is Good. a pretty crucial question i still um i wrote this down on like i think tuesday mm-hmm. and i still don't know which one i'm picking this is gonna be a game time decision okay would you rather always feel like you have to pee or always feel like you have to poo all the time okay definitely pee Definitely pee. Because when I was pregnant, that was how I felt constantly. And I got to tell you, needing to poo is way more uncomfortable. I don't because, know. like, if you pee your pants, it's fi- it's kind of okay. I don't but know. if you shit yourself, that's no, a different but you, story. It's not like you have to. You just have that feeling all the time. Like, you don't have to be. You just always Yeah, feel but, like, like to... yeah, I feel like needing to poo makes you way more uncomfortable I'm the, I'm than the needing to pee. No, I'm the opposite. Like, you <laughs> think about this. You're on a road trip. If you have to poo, you're sitting there, you're like, oh, I gotta poo. But you're not, like, if you have to pee, every bump, you're like, oh, oh, that's a bad bump. <laughs> yeah. But you don't actually pee. No, you... So it's like, 
I don't the know. The threat is there for both. I don't know. I just I can tolerate having to poop better than like if I I'm, have to I'm pee really bad. I I oh it's like it, it. I don't like having that feeling of having to pee really bad. So I think I'll go with the feeling like yeah, I poop all the time. Nice. Yes. Well, okay. thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. You know I'm. I'm a... All right now. Speaking of true crime, actually, let's just scratch the surface a little bit. Um, just to ask you, what got you into true crime? Um, I don't know. Just like when I was a kid, uh, my mom always watched like CSI and Criminal Minds. So mm-hmm. I just I always just watched them and it was always just like, it was interesting. interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then um, I started really liking like uh, like learning about like mob stories, like the mafia and stuff like mm-hmm. that so i was i like learning about that and then like went learning about like gangs and like cartels and like you know all those documentaries so i started watching the watching all those documentaries stuff like that and yeah i don't know then just eventually stumbled upon like serial killers and then started you know because and then i met you and then we started listening to my favorite murder and all those podcasts and yeah it's just always been like I don't mm-hmm. say it, like I don't like saying like it's interesting, but it's kind of like. Cause I would say it's interesting. It is because like me. I mean, it's unfortunate, one hundred percent. But it's very like, the way, I guess you kind of you learn the behind the scenes of like the killer and the motive and like why yeah. they do things the way and, they like, do things. Me, uh, being a mechanic, I know about like cars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know much about the, uh, the human body, mm-hmm. right? So. When I start, like I used when I work out, like I started learning about how muscles and all that develop and how they work and everything. So it's like to me, I look at it as like, um, how the brain works because a lot of them they talk about like how people get head injuries and then they develop into this or like mm-hmm. how child rage. So it's like more of like uh, learning like how like uh, about like mental disabilities and stuff like I you know because like mm-hmm. it's nice to know how the like if you could have treated somebody different, like the like how their outcome, would yeah, be, you know, yeah, just interesting to see how like you you know just how you treat people like mm-hmm. it plays out in the future. Mm-hmm. All right, so do you have a title or? Um. Yeah. So I did a local story for us. Um. I've changed some of the names, but like you could always, it's uh called the. Local to what? Uh, Hamil- Hamilton, where yeah. we Hamilton, Ontario, where we we live. Um, so it's called the Admiral Inn murder. So if you know the Admiral <gasps> Inn downtown, yes. Oh my! There was a murder there. No, oh yes, there was. Um, and also. Wait a minute! Which one is that? And where is it? Um, on, on Babbage Streets. You know, when you rented the. Uh, the the student, student house? housing and we'd we would take uh we would come down Nikola Tesla and then we would come out and then you know where that Admiral in where we would turn left to go to like Main Street to make the right towards your student house? Was that York or not or not York, um I don't know. I you know there's the pool it. hall down where that pool hall is? Like yes. Admiral in that town. It's like on that corner by where we took the engagement photos or by that bridge, all that area there. Okay, anyways. Yeah. I can't so, think of it. Oh, I can look it up on my laptop. Yeah, look it but up. But continue. Yeah, so um 
I was looking up like local stories to do, and then I found this one, and also, I kind of remember hearing this one in the news, and also like that same night, coincidentally, a friend of a friend of mine, like I never met this person, but a friend of a friend of mine, they were at that pool hall just up the street, and they got into an altercation and got stabbed that night, and I found that article about talking about that, and then this happened just literally not even a kilometer up the street, like the next light there. Jeez. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. This one? Yeah. You know that one? No. Go to the maps. Anyways, continue. I, I can yeah. So, yeah, I changed the the names, but I've, I read it and I was like, wow, this is like, uh, seems like a Hamilton kind of story. Um, you know? Mm-hmm. So the I got a lot of my info from the Hamilton Spec article written by uh, Susan Claremont. Uh this it takes place in January of 2016. Oh, that's recent. Yes. Jeez. Uh-huh. Um it involves uh a sex worker. I changed her name. Uh her we'll call her Delilah. She was married. She's from Markham. Um her husband knew job and you know he's supportive he was like you do your thing girl okay i know where it is now you do know where it is yeah by dundurn okay yeah so you know how there's the pool hall up the street yeah yeah like down this way uh down yeah York. yeah down york yeah. yeah a friend of a friend of mine there was an altercation there was a stabbing at that pool hall this at the same oh, man. night as this so that was a wild night in 2016 think yeah. what was happening in 16 wasn't one dance popping by Drake at this time? I was time? just going to anyway. say, Drake's album was popping. Summer 2016 was litty. Yeah, was Everyone was having a great time. Yeah, summer 2016 was crazy. So it makes sense that this story kind of happened around then. Um, so yeah, uh, the night of January 22nd, uh, 2016, her and her husband, they decided to stay at the Admiral Inn downtown. Uh, downtown, yeah. She got a job from a John, and she told him to come to their room, and her husband was like, you do your thing, I'm gonna go for a walk. Um, he left. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's gonna stand there and watch. I mean, it's... No, no, I just mean, like, he's he's a very supportive husband. Yeah, he's very supportive, like, you know. okay. Yeah, so he lets her do her thing. Yeah. Um, where was I? And then... When he comes back, she is dead. And the last person to see her alive was John, John, who we will call Trevor. Um, There was uh, so a little background on uh, the Trevor. Uh, They talked to his uh, childhood. Well, not not his childhood friend. It was like his roommate and they were pretty close. Um, We're calling like at the time. Yeah, his roommate at the time and pretty close. We'll call him. We'll call him Doug. Do you have an age for tre- the Trevor? Uh, I think he. I, they didn't really, I think he was like thirty or thirty-three. He's 30. in his thirties. Okay, and I, he had a roommate. Yeah, he had a roommate. They were probably same, roughly the same age. Um. So, he spent when uh, Trevor was growing up. He spent most of his time in Newfoundland. He moved out of his family house when he was young, according to a uh, Doug. He attended uh, Carpenter's Millwrights College in St. John's and had a talent for handiwork and a solid work ethic. Um, 
When his father moved to Hamilton when he was 18, he came with him. He moved back and forth between here and the East Coast several times. Uh, also, his friend Doug says he's one of the most animated characters that he had ever met. Everyone has nothing but nice things to say about this guy. He's one. Of, it's one of those where it's like, yeah, it's the best guy ever. Animated uh, in what way? Uh, I would say he always had a joke and a story to tell, and he would talk to strangers in the grocery store. So kind of. Oh my god! Like you? Yeah, I was gonna say like you know, he's like, hey, 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 you know, it's just like fun to be Are around. You a serial killer, babe. No, we we we've done this test where you yawn, I yawn every time. You're the one who doesn't yawn with the yawns. Apparently that means you're a sociopath. That doesn't mean that you're. Hey, that's what they a serial say. Serial killer. I don't. Yeah, it could be. Um. Yeah, he would also make you feel like the most important in the room. He was definitely someone everyone looked up to. Okay. Um. Now there was also a bad side to him. He was addicted to cocaine. Um. He didn't hide it from his friend or anything because his friend said, "Yeah, he had a problem. He was trying to to fix it." Um, okay. Yeah. So, as Doug's saying, he uh, grew up um, with people in his life having addictions and believed in second chances. So, I guess that's why he was like, oh, I'll let you room with me, you know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll be okay. Um, one of Trevor's girlfriends one night uh, could not get a hold of him. So, she panicked. She called Doug, mm-hmm. um, told him to go check on him, and Doug... Well, came back to the apartment and found that Trevor had rigged up uh, a system, I guess. And he was sitting in his car and inhaling exhaust smoke. So they got him. Like trying to kill like Yeah, trying he was to trying kill to him. kill himself. Oh. So Doug stopped him. Uh, he was, uh, Trevor apparently was upset about the uh, time and money he's wasted on drugs. And so he moved out to Newfoundland and got sober for three years. And then he moved back to Hamilton and started seeing people for help. Um, And then around Christmas, he was really depressed because he couldn't go back to Newfoundland for the holidays. So Doug tried to make him feel better. So he bought him a chicken to try and cheer him up and cook him a nice dinner. Oh, I thought you meant like an actual chicken. No! He's like, here you go. Raise this chicken like your own. (laughs) And then we're going to kill it <laughs> and eat it. <laughs> no, he was just like, yo, my grooming friend. you for Christmas. <laughs> you know, he's, my friends and my roommate is uh, down for a holiday. I'm going to make him a nice dinner, like a nice, nice, good friend, you know? Yeah. Um, but he could tell that Trevor was still unhappy. And the Friday, right before, so the Friday before this, the whole thing happened, it was like any other day where Trevor, he went to work, came home and uh, said he was... Uh, he told Doug, he's like, I'm going out, but he didn't say where he was going or what he was doing. Um, and Doug said that he had no idea that uh, Trevor ever paid for sex or was violent towards women. Like I said, everyone in the articles was like, oh, he's the best. Um, so, the night of the incident, her husband comes back to the room. Um, finds her, he calls the police, the police come to the Admiral Inn, they start the investigation, they found that she had been strangled, Oh no! and her phone was missing, and he 
then like the John was missing. So the the husband, I guess, had uh, I would imagine she probably told him like the numbers or yeah phone numbers of the yeah, her, she her have, clients, right? Yeah. She would have that some sort of security. Yeah, right? Especially if her husband's there, I imagine she had something. So cuz they said they knew it was him by the by the phone, so they were trying to find like his phone. Mm-hmm. Um they did not, but they did find him in the Westdale area. He committed suicide and <gasps> hung himself in a tree. And yeah, they I'm pretty I think they found her phone on him, so that's how they knew he didn't. So yeah, he suffered he was What tree? Where? I don't know I don't know the tree, they just said in the Westdale area. Oh my uh, god. They said he was also they had uh a lot of cocaine and alcohol in the system. So. Both of them? Yeah, so he was probably really depressed and drugged up and just snapped. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and that is Hamilton. I can't believe that happened right? and I didn't even know. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. 2016 was a wild year. Wow. And that- like, so that happened and then the stabbing will happen and imagine if you look up like a lot of things like that, like, there's probably a lot of stories of stuff like, like, random occurrences all in one night, like, multiple, like, crazy stories. So, so the stabbing happened the same night? The same she, night, yeah. So it was a Friday. Died? Yeah, it was a Friday night, right? Mm-hmm. And then because the Saturday, it was, like, Saturday at, like, 2.30 in the morning when uh-huh. they um, came to the Admiral Inn. So that exact same night up the street. Oh, man. So, then someone died uh, from the stabbing? I'm pretty sure, yeah, I think, if I remember, they they passed away, yeah. You know, they just got, like, classic Hamilton, probably, bar, bar altercation. Oh, my goodness. You know? You looking at my girl, buddy? No, I'm not looking at your girl, pal. I'm not your pal, friend. And then, pal, right in the kissing, and then someone pulls out a knife, and then it's... See, that's the scary thing, that it's so underreported in Hamilton about all... I mean, like, it's reported. It's not like they're hiding it, but, like, the the number and the occurrences. Of, like, stabbings? Stabbings, shootings. Yeah. Like, they don't really... Yeah, there's a lot. They don't make it, like, front page news, which they should. Yeah. Because, like, like, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Yeah, but if you drive downtown at night, you're just, like, yeah. Like, you just get the vibe. You just like, feel so eerie. Like, yeah, and there's always, no, like, a yeah. vibe in the air. Like, like, anything could happen. I'm, like... You know, all it would take is, like, one random crackhead that comes running on the street, and you're like, oh, well, here we go. It's going to be an interesting night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a great story. Great job. Thank you. I hope it was good. I was not good at English or anything like that. I just, like, put cruise control on through high school. So I put more in effort than that, and then I did probably the hardest English assignment. Wow, I feel so honored. Yeah. Thank you. I I appreciate that. For you. For me. Thank you. Okay, so my story is really in depth mm-hmm. um, because of all of the podcasts that I listen to and the stories that I reported. I don't know why, but they give so much information, background information. It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of written like a story. Like you want to know the background of these characters. Yeah. Um, so, it's just like... so basically I like summarized, um, summarized it most, most of it mm-hmm. so that you can just kind of so it's easily digestible because when you're given too many facts, it's just a little too confusing. So, like, I'm not going to give the facts of, like, 
the wounds or like you know mm-hmm. the, the specific abrasions on the body parts yeah. and stuff that happened yeah. but i am doing the harrison family murders uh f- so it's a familicide or family homicide um that happened oh, in mississauga mississauga i was gonna say ontario it kind of i feel like i know this one but i don't really at the same time well, let me tell you. Oh, I'm I'm ready. It's a it's quite a roller coaster. It is. It is. Oh, Should yeah. I buckle up? Buckle up. Okay. All right. So in the fall of 2000, fresh out of high school, Melissa Moret started working at My Favorite Doll, a massive retailer in Mississauga. Um, it was floor to the ceiling with Barbies encased in plastic capsules. Melissa was pleasant and smiley, even a little naive. I can just say that'd probably be. A creepy job to open and close. Imagine you work at nights and you're closing like a, a doll store. And you're just like every all these dolls staring at you. And you're just like I'd be locking and running. You know, you hit the alarm and I'd sprint out the door lock. I'd be like, nope, don't look at them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, I forgot to mention that I got my information from the Star dot com. Um, a few other article articles on Google search. I didn't write them down specifically, but um, another podcast. Canadian true crime um she covers it so I got some information from that too and I just kind of put it together in this little piece of paper but um yeah all the information that I'm stating is not mine it's not my own no copyright sued thank you um I just feel like I have to throw that out there because you know Mm -hmm. nobody has time for that okay (laughs) so yeah yeah it would be scary having to close that but you know when you meet the love of your life there it's okay Ooh. Yeah. Oh, is a meat cute? Yeah. So oh. not long after Melissa started her job, she fell in love with Caleb Harrison, a handsome young man who worked in the warehouse. Oh. Yeah. So once they were got together, they were inseparable. Caleb would drive Melissa to and from work. Um, that winter, there was a death in the Harrison family, and Melissa really wanted to go to the funeral with Caleb to support him and meet his relatives. You know, she was like that supportive girlfriend. Um but I forgot to mention that um, she, Melissa, before she got with Caleb, she left her um, boyfriend at the time. Like, like she broke, before she met Caleb, I should say, she broke up with him because he wasn't ready to start a family, and she was. So she was like 20, 21. Oh, like, okay, she was yeah. just ready to start a family mm-hmm. right away, right? And he wasn't. So she was like, all right, peace. And then she met Caleb, and she was like, you know what? I can see a future with you. Like, let's do this. So she got it all together. He works at a warehouse. Got a car? Look at this guy. He's, you know, he's probably, got it all together. Probably so. had good dental care, too. Yeah, probably a good benefit package <laughs> <laughs> for their family. Um, that's good. Um, so, yeah, so she wanted to go to support him, and um, but it would mean that she'd need to take the day off work, and she was worried that her manager at My Favorite Doll would say no. So instead of asking for permission, like, and asking for the day off... Um, she just banked on his forgiveness and left a message on the manager's voicemail telling her she would have to miss the day for the funeral. Um, which is like, I've totally done that before. Like, I mean, instead yeah. of, when you know that you can't get a certain day off, um, well, this is like when I worked at my first retail job. Like, you know that you can't get that day off. You're just going to be like, I'm going to call in sick that day. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> because like, if your manager's being, you know, a jerk and won't let you... Especially Which if it's is just so like, wrong because it's, just, it's a funeral. It's just like it's a it's a doll toy store too, you know? It's like, it's like the world's not, not gonna yeah, end. If I'm yeah. not there, oh, it's just a distribution you know? warehouse. <laughs> yeah, no one's gonna die, you know. We're yeah. gonna be okay. Yeah. But so yeah, when the couple returned, Melissa was fired. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 
I so mean, they 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 took it very oh, pretty seriously. Well, I mean, on that note, I mean, I don't know if that would. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but talk about true love. Caleb was so furious, and he quit in solidarity. Oh, he's like, you so gonna fire my girl? Goodbye benefits. I don't need them anymore. <laughs> All those things you love me for, girl, are gone. I gotta get rid of my car. Everything. We're out. But um, but no. Love still prevailed within a couple years. They were married and they had two children, a boy and a girl. Caleb was a devoted dad. He even tattooed his names on his right shoulder. His name? No, his kids' <laughs> names. Did I miss that word? Sorry. No, I'm just being... You're being a jerk. Joke, yeah, yeah, he tattooed his kid's name. That's something name. I would do, get my name. So if I, you know, ever <laughs> just get... in case you forget, yeah. you just look at your right shoulder. Yo, hello, my name... One second. Oh, it's Chris. Chris, yeah. <laughs> you have the right upside down. You can call down. me... My name is Chris, but you can call me Chris. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, but, okay. So he's a devoted dad, but his marriage to Melissa was a rocky one that soon dis- dissolved into violence. Oh. Dun, dun, oh. dun. During an argument in 2005, Caleb hit her, allegedly. I mean, I guess it wasn't allegedly because he spent three nights in jail and then he was realized by his own recognition. Realized? He was released. Sorry. Okay. He was released on his own um, behalf. He was like, I'm getting a <laughs> see a boy. Honestly, that's what I, that's, I put recog- recognizance. So I don't know what that So means. was his boy like a cop and was like, oh, what are you doing? Him? Oh, get out of here, you rascal. And just send him on his way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so Caleb was in jail for three nights, and then he was released. I'm not sure how, but anyways, after that, the couple split, and he moved back home with his parents, uh, which is in, uh, that, which was in Mississauga, I'm pretty sure. One second. I should have this. I know. We are professionals. <sighs> yeah, we? we get paid to do this, so I should have known. Professionals. Right here. <laughs> Best to ever do it. It's like Pine Pritch. P- pine Pritch something. I don't no, know. I heard it, was, it. <laughs> it was somewhere near here, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anyways, after they split up, um, Caleb went and lived with his parents. And then Melissa went back to her parents, I think. Whatever. Um, and then in the July of 2005, in July of 2005, sorry. <laughs> What's so funny about, <laughs> so funny about July of 2005? I just can't say it. What happened? In, ju- in July 2005, Caleb was invited to a keg party in Milton. He oh. wasn't going to drink, he said. This is, and that was one of the conditions of his release was that he couldn't consume alcohol after, you know, he got like okay. the three nights in jail. Mm-hmm. So he had, but he had borrowed his mother's Mercedes, mm-hmm. as my mom likes to call it, Mercedes. The Mercedes. <laughs> um, and he told his three friends that he was going to be the designated driver. But Caleb liked to drink. He was working construction then, and after his shift, he'd often unwind at a bar before going home to his parents' house. He could usually handle his beer, hard liquor, hard, oh wow, I can't pronounce that nicely. Um, hard liquor, though, changed him. Uh, so oh. he was just a different man when he drank hard liquor. Came the Hulk? Yeah, he just was a different person, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so as the crickets, <laughs> excuse me. 
As the crickets sang into an empty suburban night, summer night, he allowed himself one drink. But then one drink turned into another, and then another. By the time he was ready to leave, he had consumed nearly three times the legal limit. Oh. Yeah. So he, you know, couldn't handle his liquor. He could not. No. So, but he still poured himself into his mother's Mercedes, and his friends who were with him realized he was too drunk to drive, so they're like, nah, yo, we ain't going with you. They refused, right? They're like, no, we're not going in the car with you. But, like, he was really stubborn. He's like, I'm just gonna drive myself home. Um, I assume that's what he sounded like. Probably. Um, like, I got it. Yeah, but he's like, you know what? I got this. You can't do that. No, you can't do that. Do not drink and drive, friends. Never. Um... But, yeah, his friends, they refused to get in the car, and they began walking home. So Caleb was alone, and he was driving down Derry Road, which we've definitely been I know on before. Um, heading home in the other direction were four young men in a cab drivel- driven by Michael Raymond. Um, he was a Milton taxi driver. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry if I can't pronounce the words or the last names correctly. I am not a pronouncer, so... I, I, you know, I read, I pronunciate as I, I read. Um, as their headlights set upon each other, Caleb crossed the center line and drifted into Raymond's lane, oh, no. colliding head on with the taxi at a hundred kilometers per hour. Oh. The taxi driver was instantly killed. Um, and Tom Falinski, who was in the back seat, had a broken arm, a broken leg, and he fractured his spine from L2 to his L4 vertebrae. So that's like his lower back was completely um, oh. fractured. Uh, Tim Corbett, who was also in the back seat of the taxi, flew forward from the rear passenger seat face first into a turnbuckle between the front and the back doors, shearing his scalp cleanly off his skull <gasps> from his eyebrow to his ear. Oh my goodness. And then as if, as if it couldn't get worse, both cars bursted into flames. Oh my goodness. The two passengers climbed out of the flaming taxi into a ditch. Wait, wait. They were still he was They they survived. He was still alive after the 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 whole skull thing? Yeah. What? Yeah, so they were able to um yeah. They were able to climb out of the flaming taxi into a ditch and as they stared back their friends looked dead to them, slumped in the back seat with the fire closing in. Oh. So the guys in the back seat died. Oh yeah, because there was four. Oh sorry, yeah, there was four. Yeah, so there would have been passengers in the middle seat, so, in the pass, in the yeah. front passenger seat. So too. two of them. Yeah, sorry, I got that wrong. No, it's okay. Um. Yeah. So neighbors along Dairy Road raced out of the sound of that, raced out at the sound of the accident and pulled Corbett and Falinski from the taxi. So the other two were pulled out. Oh my um and Caleb's friends, the ones who were just walking up the street, witnessed the crash. They saw it. The ones that refused to get in the car saw it, ran down, um, pulled him from the very car that they had the good sense to avoid. Um, and Caleb's leg was broken, and he suffered a few bumps and bruises, but those injuries were minor compared to the ones he inflicted on the others. You know what sucks about that whole thing is those four guys, they did the right thing. They're like, we're going to take a cab home, because they were probably mm. up having a good night, you know? And they're like, we're going to mm-hmm. take a cab home be responsible. And, and then, then some other idiot yeah, that's not yeah, responsible. this jerk is just like, I'm going to drive home drunk, and then he hits some, and it's like, they did everything right, and it's still like... Yeah. That's what... Uh, I don't like... Drinking and driving. 
Yeah, so he had killed a man, the taxi driver, and he brutally wounded two more. Um, as the flames climbed above the wreckage, he couldn't have known that by taking his first drink, he'd set into motion the events that would destroy his life, scattering his family like embers in the updraft. Ooh. So Caleb Harrison was arrested and charged with impaired driving, causing death and bodily harm. He made bail, um, the strict conditions of which included his house arrest at his family home on Pitch Pine Crescent in Mississauga. There we go. That's where they're from, where his parents, Bridget and Bill Harrison, had lived for over 30 years. So you're like, what the heck? Why are these parents bailing him out? He literally killed a person, hurt two others. You know, he was very careless. But that's that's their boy. That's their baby boy, no? But it's like true love because Caleb was actually adopted by Bridget and Bill. Bridget was born in London, Ontario in 1946. She was stylish, adventurous, and passionate. And as a young woman, she had been an accomplished actress, appearing on the London TV show Act Fast. As well, um, she played in the Stratford Festival, and it was actually backstage in the early 1960s where she met her future husband, Bill, mm-hmm. a Stratford... Um, a Stratford native who worked in the costume department. So they met there and then they got married in 1969 they moved to mississauga bridget worked as a teacher then she was promoted to a principal eventually serving on the peel school board and she was beloved by all her students and colleagues uh bill was an executive for sobeys and he volunteered as a big brother and a little league baseball coach um so they're just like a lovely couple that like contributed back to community go to the community yeah Mm -hmm. He had a green thumb and he was a family gardener. The couple couldn't have kids naturally, so they adopted Caleb in 1973 when he was just six months old. Bill always called his son his best friend. After Caleb's accident, justice proceeded slowly as it typically does in Ontario. Mm -hmm. His defense lawyer was unable to represent him at trial for a number of months and then the judge presiding over the case fell ill. The trial was put off for another year and Caleb's lawyer was again unavailable. When the preliminary hearing finally commenced, the Crown realized it hadn't sent out (laughs) summonses to a number of witnesses and the case was postponed yet again. After a three-year delay, can you believive that? I can't imagine. I'm. I feel so bad for the families that like right. were affected by that. Yeah, for come like, on, let's just get going here. Three years, Caleb's lawyer argued that his client's charter right to a speedy trial had been violated, and his case should of be course. dropped. Of course. A judge dismissed the motion, though. Good. That's good. So you're like probably wondering like what's going on this whole time, you know, like with his yeah. wife and kids. So his his wife, who they haven't been divorced yet, uh, she was completely outraged by Caleb's car crash, taking it as proof that he was an unsuitable father, unfit to be, you know, mm-hmm. with the kids. She became fiercely protective of her two kids. As both sides awaited the decision in the drunk driving case, another judge had ruled that Caleb and Melissa would share um, custody of the children, mm-hmm. and that enraged Melissa. Um, weeks after, she filed a report that Caleb had broken in her home and attacked her. However, because of the injuries that he sustained during the accident, it was literally physically impossible for him to be the suspect. So, like, she said something like he climbed through the window and, like, 
Karate you know, did me. yeah, did all this <laughs> stuff, like, but yeah, he had a legs broken. He had a broken leg, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, no, they. So a lot of the judges were like, no, that didn't happen. Um, so the police find no merit in this, and no charges were laid. Uh, throughout the years, Melissa then moves on, and in two thousand five, she meets Christopher Fattore, who is, I guess, built like a linebacker, stated by many sources. That, a, that's an important. That's an important fact. He's a fellow Christopher. Well, I hope not. Oh, what? I hope not after this story. What? <laughs> I thought I thought the other guy was a bad okay. guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a roller coaster. No. Anyway, oh. so they fell in love, and within a year, he proposed. They would then go on to have four children together. Yeah, so making her a mom of six, which is like, you go, girl. I had Holy Ezra, moly. and I just That's was a like, lot of kids. I can wait until we have our second child. Six is just, you know, you're asking for a death wish, I think. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> do you like sleep? Do you do you uh like never sleeping and yeah. never having time to yourself? Um so a judge granted Caleb fifty fifty custody of his children and since Caleb lived with his parents, they got to spend half their time with their nana and papa, who were relished in their roles. They loved being grandparents. But Melissa did not like that. She hated that. Um, Bridget and Bill, like, got to see them half the time. Like, mm-hmm. they, she didn't like that at all. Um, she just, I guess, Melissa's whole MO was just to always have her six children to herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so, when they had 50-50, um, they, they took their, they at one point took their kids and up, and went into Nova Scotia for for a bit and then when they when she came back they she never gave the kids back right and she was only supposed to have them for like a weekend I think and then I think she like went somewhere for she a just, while and then she came back and she was charged with like child abduction and stuff because yeah, it was like her just, own children yeah, she just cut yeah so She's um like, all right I'm gonna head out yeah and then and even over like the next two years she made unsubstantiated claims that Caleb or his parents had assaulted the children a superior court judge wrote two uh, years later in bail decision after one claim um that the children had been coached by Miss Merritt, so like she would tell her children to tell like, like I yeah, guess CIS, this, CIS, that, CIS yeah. or whatever to say that they were, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, and then by December of two thousand eight, she wasn't cooperating and allowing she wasn't allowing like the grandma and the grandpa and Caleb to see the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then three days before Christmas, a judge ordered her to stop interfering with Caleb's access, or she would get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Um, so after that um so after the drunk driving thing um bridget and bill were gained uh were granted their son's share of custody while he was in jail so when he was in jail serving time bill and bridget were able to take custody of the children half the time um and the judge who made the decision said it is important and in their best interests interests of the children to maintain the environment they are used to um, so facing money troubles and unhappy with custody arrangement, Merritt and Fattore decided to pack their kids up and get out of Mississauga without telling Harrison's or their own parents they planned a hasty move. So this is what I was just oh, telling you. You can't do Sorry. that. Yeah, I went back. To, I went back. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, she like, they like left. They're mm-hmm. like, what the heck? What was going on? Then... 
The house was uh the house was dark when Bridget Harrison pulled into their driveway just before 9 p.m. on April 16, 2009. Returning from a school board meeting, Bridget expected to find her husband at home, but when she stepped into the foyer, she heard a low hum of the television in the living room and a half-eaten takeout meal on the on the coffee table. Bill, she said, no answer. Bridget checked the second floor, but Bill was not in bed. Back downstairs, she noticed the powder room door was closed. Bill? She called out again. The door was locked. Bridget picked the lock with a pin and found her husband on the bathroom floor slumped against the far wall. She then called 911. Um, and it was then found out that... Um, sorry one second it was strange because like he was home by himself and mm-hmm. like when you're home by yourself you don't lock yourself in the yeah. bathroom you don't lock well, the door right well i i do you lock the door when you're in the washroom yeah because my worst fear is that i'll be in there taking a poop and somebody breaks in and i'm on, on the toilet taking a poop and they kick the door they open the door i'm gonna say hey 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 you know i'm chopping my pants down i'm pooping <laughs> i can't do anything they're like bro oh, you know like get up and you're like i can't i got poop on my butt, I, you know, it's just stresses me out thinking about it. I just, yeah, so if I'm home alone and I have to poop, I lock the door because I don't want anyone busting through that door when I'm pooping. Okay, so I guess the coroner agrees with you because they had ruled the death to be natural. Um, but the weird thing is, is that the coroner examined the body and noted abrasions on Bill's neck. Like thin red marks across I thought I was his throat. Say it was weird because there was a gunshot wound. In no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, there was thin red marks or, across his throat, but yeah, like not... he believed that it may have been due to the victim's necklace that he was wearing. Um, I was thinking the opposite. Maybe like he was choking on something. He was like, ah, like you know, actually, I don't know. That make no sense. Either. Yeah, I don't okay. know. But they didn't. They didn't consider the death suspicious at the time. So they're like, yeah, it's not suspicious. Weird. A little, su- little suspicious, <laughs> but <laughs> not, not suspicious. Yeah, but unfortunately, Bill Harrison had died um, at a pivotal time for death investigations in Ontario. Um, so Bridget, Bill's wife, did not see the postmortem report until months later. When she finally read it, she was floored. The, opto- the autopsy basically said, here's a healthy human being um that just died that just there was yeah basically here's a healthy human being blackwell her brother said in a police interview there was no reason for him to die the day after bridget discovered her husband's body more misfortune awaited the harrison family caleb's children were missing that's when she found out that her children like her grandchildren were missing and it took a few days to confirm her husband died her son's in jail and her grandchildren are just missing yeah oh my goodness and it took a few days for them to confirm what Bridget feared. Merritt, which is Melissa, I'm just going to call her Melissa because I, I don't know Marvel. if I'm saying her last name right, had taken off with them. Bridget went to the police, but the officers would not take action without an updated family court order. Days passed before she could appear before a judge. On 20, April 23rd, she gained temporary sole custody of the children, which led police to issue an arrest warrant for Melissa. This, so this is what I mentioned previously. She mm-hmm. was then, um, you know. Yes, yeah, when they were like, we're coming for you. Yeah, so um, Peel Constable Michael Young led the abduction investigation, sitting in the police interview room 
On May 6, 2009, Bridget outlined the family history. She told Young that her son was in jail, that she and her husband had been granted the share custody of the the child the you know mm-hmm. his their grandchildren their grandchildren and melissa was unhappy about that her husband had died she completely unexpectedly and so suddenly and the children had not been in school the next day she said the coroner had not yet given a cause of death young pursued the abduction but never looked into the circumstances of bill's death he later testified it didn't occur to him the two events might be related for some reason which is like anybody can kind of like I don't know I guess like looking in outside looking in you're just like how did you not connect the dots yeah you could just be like yeah but they didn't find any like oh they went out of town oh like their grandfather died yeah it was just coincidence they did you know and then he passed away yeah but um if they did investigate further they would have learned that Melissa and her husband Christopher or like her they didn't actually get married they're they, just like partners yeah but significant others significant others they left Mississauga on April 16th the same day that Bill died oh now that's suspicious yeah that's a that's a flag yeah, yeah. and um so Feltis, the patholo- the pathologist, did not find out about the abduction until years later. Had he known at the time, he said in an interview, he would have considered it suspicious and he would have sent the body downtown if he had all the information. He said he would have done things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bridget says, Bridget Harrison says, some people believe in coincidences and some do not. Um, and those were said... Uh, actually, that was written on April 19, 2010, two days before she was murdered. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Very, very not nice. Um, okay, I also, I didn't mention that, um, Melissa and Chris had taken their kids away for seven and a half months. So oh, for seven and a half months, time. yeah, um, Bridget didn't. Her Bridget was alone because her son was in jail. Yeah, her, her husband was dead, dead. Yeah. and she has no idea where her grandchildren are, and she doesn't know if she's ever going to see them again. The amount of anxiety and stress. Oh yeah, my goodness. Yeah. So, but but the cops didn't have anything on them yeah. to prove that they did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. So, they they needed to find like evidence for them to come back. So because they fled the house so quickly, like they literally just like dipped. Um, they, they raised, like, they did a, go, they had a GoFundMe w- website because they, like, left their house because they, I don't know, for some reason, you know, Melissa likes to tell stories, so she would say there was people after her or something, like, anyways, for I some thought reason. I thought you were going to be like, they were like, oh, our house flooded or something like that. We they realized that they were in Calgary. Um, they settled in Nova Scotia where Melissa had given birth to her fourth child. Um, soon after, police were tipped off about their location after Fatore, who had been using a, an alias, um, he gave a rent check with his real name. So in November, Merritt was re- he was arrested and charged with child abduction and returned to Ontario in the custody of Peel Police. Um, Bridget flew to Halifax and took her grandchildren home to Pitch Prine. Um, and then Caleb was released early on- from jail on good behavior and the kids went back to school. Um, uh, something resembling a normal life resumed for a while, though mother and son continued to suffer Bill's loss 
and without him around to act as a buffer between them, their relationship grew strained. Um, Melissa was then released on bail with the conditions that she um, may not have unsupervised contact with the children or leave her house without authorization. On April 10th, uh, Melissa and Fatore drove to Pitch Pine, violating the court order. Melissa stayed in the vehicle parked down the street while Fatore went to the door. When Bridget answered, he handed her a letter and photos he said he'd come deliver to the kids. At the same time, Caleb arrived home with the children and saw Melissa in the van. Um, spooked, uh, Bridget called the police and Melissa was arrested and charged with breaching bail. She spent three days in jail because of that. Oh. Yeah. And then on April 21st, the day before the abduction hearing, Caleb's eight-year-old son rode his bicycle home from school, pulled open the front door, and saw his Nana lying at the bottom of the stairs. He ran to his neighbor's house for the second time in a year. An ambulance raced to the Harrison residence, and police tape stretched around the house, fluttering in the spring breeze. So this eight-year-old boy comes home and, like, sees his grandma lying on... Like, that's so heartbreaking. I hope that he is okay now. A fall down the stairs became an early theory in Bridget's death investigation because she was lying at the bottom of the stairs, but the family didn't buy it. There's no way someone falls down the stairs and ends up in that position, Caleb told, told his also, cousin. And also, wouldn't she have, like, bruises all the way, like, randomly over her body from, like, you know, like, if you stomp, you don't, don't, Yeah, don't. you would have bruises on your arms. Yeah, or, like, and if there yeah. was, like, like, a slight rug burn, if there was, the like, carpet on the, you know, like, there mm-hmm. And Caleb said, you know, Caleb even, you know, mentioned it doesn't look right. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Bridget was lying face up, her arms at her side, head resting at the bottom of the stair. Um, so kind of just like perfectly laying yeah, on Yeah, perfectly the laying, you know, one, yeah. Yeah, that's on suspicious. One step, yeah. I'd be like, what? Mm-hmm. Years later, her family and friends would see photographs of the scene on a courtroom projector and grip their seats or their hands of their companions holding back tears because emotion in the public gallery is prohibited. Oh, didn't know that. That sucks. You can't show any emotion? I'm probably in court now. That sucks. I don't know. I've never been to court. Um, so, arriving at the scene, coroner Dr. Robert Boyko was concerned about abrasions and bruising on Bridget's chin and neck. Her body was sent downtown for a full forensic autopsy that her husband never received. This was considered a suspicious death, which finally, like, duh. At least they caught one. Yeah. Um, so, two days later, forensic pathologist explained to the police that her injuries to the front of her neck combined with the um, hemorrhaging and the smat, the, 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 she had red dots on her skin and eyes that caused, that were caused when blood vessels break during a pressure buildup, mm-hmm. suggesting neck neck compression meaning that she must have been strangled but she also had broken bones in the back of her neck not typically seen in neck compression cases which supported the fall theory um but at the time it was unknown how she suffered the combination of injuries um the police wrote after the meeting um but because this was the second death in the house um it was the pathologist was concerned about the similarities and he had told the police that Bill had died with several unexplained injuries, you know, kind of like her. Like she had Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say the the injuries um must have been similar like the neck injuries. Yeah. They had to be like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Same kinda like I wonder if they compared the husband's neck injuries to hers. Well he was Bill was also found with um like 
a fractured sternum and throat abrasions. What? But but his body wasn't sent downtown, to so that was full. the fatal flaw in Bill's case because that was if he had a full forensic autopsy, they would have been able to see, you know, like, mm. hey, this is not, you know, right. It's not normal. Yeah. Um. So from the day Bridget died, the family raised concerns about Melissa and those close to her. Caleb spoke to Constable Robert Boyer. On camera hours after her body was discovered, he explained his history with Melissa and said that the timing of his mother's death seemed weird. Um, And that is because it was like almost a year to the day that his father had been found dead. In quotations. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, So it was really, really a weird coincidence. Mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, like. You gotta be thinking something, something's up here, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really messed up. Oh, and also another messed up thing in Bridget's case is that her family, like, highly suggested this was, you know, done, you know, her family, as in Caleb, her son, um, and everyone around them was like, this was, like, look at Melissa and Chris, right? And they're like, well, you have to give us evidence of foul yeah. play. Yeah, and they're like, be, like, they're like, prove it, like... But they're like... Are you are you not are you not the like, you know the are you like, not the, the police you're the ones, the ones who are supposed to be making the investigations regarding foul play not you know like other people yeah why they be like yo you do you show us and we'll uh, we'll investigate that yeah, so I hope things are better now with the police system but yeah back then they were just like show us you know provide us uh, with the proof yeah it wasn't that long ago to be honest um, but. They, yeah, they didn't suggest, like, su- they didn't say anything about foul play. Um, they concluded that the cause of death is a matter of asphyxia, which is, and the mechanism of death is unknown, which is really stupid. Um, uh, they had a post-mortem report describing Bridget's neck injuries. It should have been clear to the police, but obviously was not. That could have been evidence of foul play. The Crown attorney, Eric Taylor, said in an objection in trial years later when a defense lawyer wanted Boyer to read the case closure statement suggesting that there was an extensive like in quotations extensive investigation here I think is inappropriate so like you know other judges and stuff even knew yeah they didn't really look into it yeah too much yeah and then on August of August 23rd 2013 Caleb Harrison was found dead in his upstairs master bedroom and he was the last member of the Harrisons to die in that house. So there's the whole family. three deaths in the house. And the crazy Within thing like is... Within like two years. The crazy thing is, is that the the way he was found was his coworker was like, dude, like, where's Caleb? Like, he's yeah. always on time for work. He always shows up. Let me just go to his house and check. And he's like, he's in, he even said he never does that. Like, he'll have feelings, but, like, he wouldn't actually go to the house. Yeah. So he went to the house and, like, tried to find him. What a good friend. And the cleaner was in the house. And then she was like, I've been here for two hours. I haven't seen Caleb. And I don't go into his room because I clean the common areas, mm-hmm. you know, like the bathrooms and stuff. I don't go in the room. Bathroom, the kitchen, living room. Yeah. Or... So she was, she was there for two hours and then they go upstairs and they find Caleb sleeping, tucked in with a sleeping mask on. But he's dead. What? Yeah. But but they find, um, after an autopsy is done, they find that Caleb had been strangled. Um, and then 
because they found that this like he was strangled um they ch- it changed the way the police viewed his mother's death and the crazy thing is like the same like when the paramedics came like the same person that came was, was like i've been here before i've been in this exact place before was he the same paramedic for all three or just the, the, the just thing? the just bridget and caleb so like they Bridget and Caleb's death are connected, but not Bill's. Bill's is still ruled as natural because they didn't file a full autopsy. Oh, okay. But because they did for Bridget, they were able to do mm-hmm. with Caleb, connect the dots, basically. Um, so they kind of mm-hmm. dropped the ball on the first one, but then they're trying yeah. to... Yeah, so like that was insane. They... Um, so yeah, he was so 2 weeks after the murder, Melissa had filed an application seeking sole custody of the children. Oh, conveniently. And, yeah, explaining that her ex-husband had died. This was um tragic and very shocking, she wrote, but the application was granted because it was in September and she wanted to get the children enrolled in school. So like even though she was under investigation because no charges were laid, she was able to have full custody of the children. Oh. Yeah, but it's like hmm you know? Is that them? Yeah. That's Chris Vittori, and that is her, Melissa Merritt. Um, and then on a gray morning in January 2014, justice was finally served. Um, they had been... Oh, yeah, they had been found in Nova Scotia. Oh, this was the part... Okay, so, yeah. Okay, sorry. Let me... Let me go back um so she granted for full custody within weeks her and fatori were headed for the east coast again with all six children this time police were watching their every move so they didn't have any proof that melissa and chris were re- responsible for mm-hmm. the killings yeah, of, they couldn't yeah you know, they couldn't put, them put there, anything yeah. together so they needed evidence so this is what i was trying to mention earlier i kind of got it mixed up because they went to the east coast multiple times so it was like confusing but for this time they had left so um so quickly and then when they had the gofundme page it could have been because of you know the father dying whatever Mm -hmm. um the police posed as a giver like for money but they arranged something where like for our donation you have to call us like contact us and like we'll make an arrangement so they Mm -hmm. arranged to have some of their things from their home sent to them because they had left so quickly they didn't take everything with them so they they sent a bunch of things over to Nova Scotia for them to um, have, for mm-hmm. Melissa and Chris to have, mm-hmm. but the police wiretapped it. Oh. So they had wiretaps. and sneaky. Yeah, pretty smart, though. Like, even though they dropped the ball in the beginning, they got creative yeah. with this one. They got creative, and well, they were like... Well, also, too, because uh, Chris and uh, Melissa were probably like, they don't even suspect us. Like, yeah. we, we don't even have to be worried even the slightest. They don't even, like, they're not even connecting us. Yeah. So they're not even going to have their guard up. Yeah. But, oh. yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, so they wiretapped everything, and then they finally got on one conversation, Melissa saying to Chris, um, you, what you need to understand is the underlying fact that you killed Caleb. So, boom, there you go, got them. And then immediately they were, like, sent Lawrence, they got arrested, they got sent back to Ontario, and then they were charged with, um, you know, with all the things. <laughs> and then, um, so, sorry, one second. Okay, 
But the funny thing is, is that, um, (laughs) so two months before, so they also got, um, so the positions that they left behind in the trailer, um, they found a laptop containing an extensive internet search history. So this is before that they, before they got their, um, their confession, they, you want to know what they searched on their laptop? How to get away with murder. (laughs) Mine as well. Two months before Bridget was murdered, there was a search for what if a grandparent has legal custody and they die? Three weeks before she was murdered, how long does it take to die from choking? And how long does it take for a person being strangled to pass out? Oh, those Uh, are very suspicious searches. The month before Caleb's death, easy ways to kill and get away with it. Oh, (laughs) That was speak Yes. Um and but because the it was a shared computer, they didn't know who, who, who was, was searching, searching it. Things, that's yeah. the that's the problem. Um so they needed to do like a lot of um they needed to do like a lot of understand like questioning, I guess. Um and basically Fatori at the beginning like tried to take the rap for it and was like Melissa knows nothing about it like it was all about it was all me I did it and he confessed to um he confessed to the murders of Bridget and Caleb but not Bill they both uh sorry not not both um Chris did at first and he was like I so he strangled Bridget and mm-hmm. pushed her downstairs and that's how she died um and then with Caleb he had um snuck in with um his son's key so like caleb's son mm-hmm. and yeah. chris's stepson's yeah, key he's, he's, snuck in with a baseball bat um and then like struck caleb um in the back or in the front something like that but like enabled him and then just like beat the sh- like strangled him too oh my goodness yeah so like what did he tuck him in bed yeah like, basically yeah he tucked him in bed so that like nobody could suspect that he was dead in bed oh my goodness yeah um and yeah so basically that was like the and he was like melissa really wanted custody of the kids so i did whatever i could to get her the kids and then in the that's a bit they allowed yeah they allowed them to meet in a meeting room and then they thought they thought it wasn't gonna be recorded so they they were he said i'm taking the heat for everything just pretend you didn't know like pretend you don't know anything um and then so then in court Melissa pleads not guilty to all the charges and throws Chris under the bus and says that Chris does everything. So then he pleads not guilty and then says, you know, like Melissa had like a hand to play and all of these Wait, things. So he, but she was just doing what he told her to do. Just blame him for everything and say she knew nothing, you know? Yeah. No, she. Um, she was like, oh, I knew I planned it, but he did everything. Yeah. Oh, but. Goodness. Uh, anyways, they, at the end of it, they were both sentenced to life in jail, um, and the crazy thing is, is that they are both, uh, oh, sorry, they, yeah, so that they have, they're serving life in prison without the possibility of parole until 25 years have passed, two sentences for Chris Fattori, but served concurrently, um, and... The messed up thing is <laughs> he is on a Canadian inmate like dating website and has like a bio basically saying like he wants um like a woman that 
is like him and it likes fitness and likes being fit and like um that's not controlling because he's I've, I've been down that road before and so i guess melissa was controlling oh my but goodness. and um and melissa remarried she actually got remarried because when caleb died they were divorced right actually got legally married to a fellow inmate in jail so these two motherfuckers get to live their happy lives remarried, in jail dating remarried oh my goodness um and these, you know, beautiful grandparents and their son are resting in peace, I hope. But, yeah, yeah sorry crazy. for sorry for the choppiness of the story, no, but it was, was a, a good story. I've never heard that before. That's yeah, wild. And it's local. That's crazy. Oh, my goodness. I thought mine was wild. That's crazy. It just keeps getting more, you yeah. know, you, after the first one, you're like, okay, geez. Come to the- Canada. It's all nice over here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're nice, eh? <laughs> yeah. To my, my listeners in Kenya and Australia, uh, come to Canada. We're, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun time. Not everywhere you go in Canada is friendly. Yeah. But that is my story for True Crime Time Part 2. Um, Thanks for having me. By Thanks way, for being I enjoyed on. Enjoyed being here. Yeah, it was a great time. I hope you enjoyed my story and I did. you know, my lesson out of this that I've learned, I guess, is um I feel like Melissa clearly had a mental illness of control and it's like get help. It's okay to get help, you know. If you feel overwhelmed or you feel like you're about to do something crazy, I don't know if you have that self-awareness, but you know, seek some help and Maybe don't kill people to get your yeah, way. And uh, when in doubt, don't kill people. Just, just just don't do it. Just don't kill anybody. It's not... It's... I mean, it gives us something to talk about, but I mean, we'd rather not. There's other things, you know, like... Yeah, you're not sitting there <laughs> like, somebody kill somebody, I need another story. I need another story, no. <laughs> um, no. But yeah, that was just a crazy story because, like, that house must be hella haunted, too. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah, you think three people? Like, I can't... I don't even know, like... I want to see if it's even, like, is it on sale online? Three, six, three, five, pitch. Like, it's a beautiful home. But, like, the first thing that comes up is the Harrison family. Well, that is a really nice house. Yeah. Super nice. It got painted. But, yeah, it says, like, what happened at da, da, da. So that's the house you move in in, like, the horror movies. All the neighbors look at you like, oh, do you know what happened in the house? Yeah. Oh. Oh my goodness. But it's just super sad because, like, you knew the grandkids had really great grandparents. They loved being grandparents. Yeah, they... And, and as a child... Like they that, just like, tried to give them the best, especially because they adopted and they were big in the community. They probably mm-hmm. were like, oh, we got... They probably really loved kids and... Mm-hmm. And as, like, personally as a child that didn't really have grandparents growing up, like... I can't imagine the heartbreak that they must have felt having mm-hmm. that love, right? Mm-hmm. And then having it taken away by their own such a... parent, like, by their own mother because of her jealousy. So, I mean, I hope they're doing well. I, I don't know the names of the children. I'm sure they're older now. Yeah, because it was, like, 2000 and whatever. Yeah. So they're probably, like, 20, 19, mm-hmm. 20. Um, but, yeah, I wish them well. I hope they're doing well in life and they're not traumatically affected by this um but yeah anyways thank you for being on my show and i hope you come back on again we'll tell some more stories or maybe some 
paranormal stories because I haven't dived deep into those yet. Yeah. And those are fun. Are good those are fun. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a treat. And uh, yeah, definitely come back on in the future. Thanks, cutie. <laughs>